Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hello and welcome to Extra Time, a web-only sports program from Radio New Zealand Sport. I'm Joe Porter. In the programme this week, we track the progress of two New Zealand super rugby sides on opposite ends of the favourite scale. We hear from one of the New Zealand athletes competing at the Paralympics Athletics World Championships in Christchurch. And we talk horse racing with one of the country's top trainers ahead of this weekend's Wellington Cup in Trentham. With the Super Rugby season kicking off in less than a month's time, the coaches are putting their teams through their final pre-season paces and formulating a strategy that they all hope will equate to success on the field and ultimately a Super 15 title. The Crusaders are the perennial favourites in the competition and deservedly so. Their seven Super Rugby titles more than twice as many as the next most successful teams, the Blues and the Bulls. Jessica Horn spoke to the Crusaders' assistant coach and former All Black Daryl Gibson about how the pre-tournament frontrunners are shaping up. Our preparation is going well. Obviously, we've got a little bit of um, coordination with our returning All Blacks to come back into the squad, but we're very um, comfortable with where we're at at this stage of the season. Any specific areas where you guys took a different approach to training last season? Uh, this year, we've undergone a great deal of change around um, exactly what we do on the training field and, and the, the systems that we've uh, incorporated this year. We've also incorporated a lot of younger players who um, potentially in two or three years will be the succession plan that we've got in place in terms of uh, replacing our current um, current lot of players. Uh, who are the young guys in the squad that people should be looking out for next year or this year? This year, I think um, Rob Fruin, who's our uh, centre, he's one to watch. He's had an exciting uh, first year as a professional last year through the Super Series and ITM Cup, so he's certainly one to watch. I think um, we've got a particularly exciting back three: Israel Dag, Zach Guilford, and Sean Maitland. Again. All young players and, and certainly uh, all looking to impress the selectors in a, in a good year. And, and in the Ford pack, probably um, Matt Todd had a very strong ITM Cup, Canterbury Player of the Year, so he's certainly one to watch as well. Obviously the Crusaders are favourites, we say. How do you instill expectation of success in the team without overawing them or putting too much pressure on their shoulders? I know we've got fairly clear expectations around our performance and the way we set up our team. And I think this year, more than any, we've really gone back to the real core foundations and core values that have made this organisation what it is and certainly our expectations are heightened this year and the fact that we recognise that we have a good squad and that uh, it's going to take a squad effort to um, to win this series. Can you tell me a bit about the new laws and the new referees interpretations around ruck time? Have they influenced the way you prepare for the season in comparison to the past? Yeah, this year the laws are going to remain or be interpreted the, the way they were last year and so Again, it's adapting to, to that rule of uh, law. And I think you know, today we went through a, a session with the referees just going over what is going to be um, policed. Besides the Crusaders, of course, who do you see as frontrunners for this year's competition? Well, I think you, you go to the obvi- obvious ones, and that's the Bulls and, and potentially out of Australia, the Waratahs or the Reds. I think you know, all the teams in New Zealand, all five franchises, have certainly strengthened their strength and depth. And I think... Yeah, it's going to be extremely competitive in our conference. I think the Blues and the Hurricanes you know, can all boast all-black-laden teams. 
and uh, the Chiefs and the, the Highlanders have certainly gone a long way to securing their, their talent. So I think in our conference it's going to be extremely competitive and games that uh, people are really going to want to watch. So you've got some pretty um, talented players um, in your back line. How do you fit all these people in? Um, obviously people will be missing out, so how do you balance all of that talent and who do you choose? Yeah, I think it's going to be extremely competitive um, for positions, and that's a great thing. You know, competition helps uh, individuals to really uh, strive, make sure they're performing well. I think uh, the key thing with this year is it's a little bit longer. You know, the, the, the Super Series is uh, you know, expanded, and there's going to be more games, and of course, injury always seems to strike and, and make selection a little bit easier. Um, but certainly, it's going to make it a difficult job selecting, uh, you know, a team full of uh, talent. What do you think of the new competition format and with the local derbies, etc.? Is it good for the game and crowd numbers? Do you think? Absolutely. From you know, from a coach's point of view, it's going to be extremely difficult to win this competition based on the fact that, you know, to, to qualify for the um, playoffs, you have to win your conference, and you know look at your bigger position in terms of uh, where you are in the the wider competition so you know we we believe the New Zealand conference is the strongest out of all the conferences and the most difficult to win so um, I'd say the chances of a New Zealand winner this year in the competition must be very high because whoever comes out of our conference first is going to have to be you know the top top dog. Kind of on that same strain, with all the New Zealand sides looking pretty strong on paper, are you concerned that two New Zealand sides could knock each other out um, while the top South African sides might get an easier ride or a slightly weaker competition? Yeah, there's always that um, that argument. I think you know we're going along the, the lines of we need just to win our conference and we're focusing on, on making sure that you know the Crusaders win all their conference games and uh, remain at the top, but I think you're right. The fact that the New Zealand franchise competition or conference is going to be extremely competitive. The game's developing rapidly and we're seeing defensive kicking tactics abandoned and returned to teams wanting to hold on to the pill. You're expecting the pace of the game to go up again this year as more and more teams and players get their hands or heads around the new style of play? Absolutely. I think um, the trend of the game is, is position to hold on to the ball. Um, it'll be interesting strategically and tactically what teams do around that. Um, so again, we won't know until the competition starts, but certainly we're planning towards those strategies. Are you where you'd like to be as a team heading into next month's campaign? Certainly, yeah. I think once we, we get all our team back um, and Sonny's finished his boxing fight and DC and, and Richie return and we have all our squad together, it'll be really good to, to get everyone back on the same page and, and moving forward. It's a little bit frustrating having to, to start again you know, in, in some ways, but... Certainly it's a big year ahead, an exciting one for New Zealand rugby, not only the Super Series but obviously the World Cup. So um, you know, it would be a great way to kick off the season with um, the Crusaders being very competitive in this competition. From one end of the scale to the other, the Highlanders have been Super Rugby's also-rans for the past half-decade, languishing near the bottom of the table, unable to break their horror run in the competition. However, this year marks a new era for the Highlanders, with ex-Otago player and former All Black Jamie Joseph taking the reins in the Deep South. Joseph has been touted by many locals as the saviour of Highlanders rugby, and he concedes there's an air of expectation surrounding the Highlanders in 2011. Barry Guy caught up with Joseph, who recently returned from a bonding trip to Stewart Island, with the Highlanders core leadership group. Very productive, Barry. I guess um, disappointing seasons, really. Um, you know, for the for the past few years, and so usually that stems from what starts with leadership. So uh, that was the first thing uh, that we addressed, and um, 
And so we went down to, well, the festival, the, the management team went to town now and we had a bit of a chat about, um, you know, recent results and how we're going to change things. Uh, then took a group of guys, of senior players, to Stuart Island. So the outcome of that was, was bloody good. And talking of senior players, uh, Jamie McIntosh, your, your captain there, and, and, and you do have some, you know, senior uh, players there, Cowan, Donnelly and, and Rutledge and the likes. You'll be sort of calling on those to lead the way? Yeah, you know, at the end of the day, the teams that uh, are successful, there is a good alignment, I guess is the right word, uh, between uh, the coaching and the management staff and, and the top players. And we've got 40 players, including the wider training group and 32 athletes. There's a lot of players uh, to keep happy uh, over the course of a season. So, uh, But when things are driven from the top with regards to their own peers, um, it's a lot easier to, to have a smooth ride if that's a, if that's a nice an easy thing to say. So, I mean, at the end of the day, we addressed all of those sorts of things, potential hiccups. Um, in doing it in December without any pressure on us, I thought was the right time to do it. A smooth ride from you? I mean, you're reasonably hard-nosed when it comes to things. You've sort of told everyone what you expect? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, rugby's pretty simple. Uh, we've got a job to do. The player's got a job to do. Um, and if we're doing our job, we should we should go right. So, uh, I, I guess... It gets it gets a bit muddied at times when you're getting a team of 32 players, as I said uh, before, from all over the country. I mean, there's only six guys that are from Otago Rugby, so 26 players plus the management team are all coming into Dunedin for the first time from uh, from outside of the area, and so there's a bit of a bit of work to be done in that area. So, um, yep, clear expectations, uh, accountability is a key part of my coaching. And yourself, I mean, you've had time in Otago, Simon Culhane, of course, from down that way. Are you expecting much sort of uh, a time period to get things going from, from the Highlanders fans, do you think? You know, a bit, a bit of uh, leeway to sort of get what you want, the structure and the game that you want, or, you know, are you expecting everyone to win straight away? Well, I mean, that's certainly the intention. I know there's been a hell of a lot of work being put into that, uh, or into the planning side of things. I mean, at the end of the day, um, it's a hard competition. And the team um, last year came 12th. So, you know, we're, we're, we've got a bit of work to do. And and we've been doing a bit of work. But at the end of the day, it's come comes down to 80 minutes of, of footy. And um, in the first game against the Hurricanes is going to be as big as, as the last game against the Blues. So um, we're approaching it game by game. Um, we, we know what position we've, we find ourselves in. And as I said, you know, I'm really positive and excited because the players all understand that and are pretty keen to get on with it. You have, as you say, a lot of players coming in. But, I mean, Otago, you, you, there's always been sort of outsiders with university and those sorts of things. I, I mean, is it particularly difficult to get a large squad of uh, players from around the country together, working together? Absolutely. Um, you know, I mean, if you only have to go through to the other four franchises... The Crusaders are made up majority of, of the Canterbury side and the Hurricanes with Wellington, Chiefs with Waikato and, and the Blues with Auckland. However, as I said, you know, like it's a bit of an anomaly down here with only six players being represented by Otago Rugby um, and a team that was founded in Dunedin. Um, and I would suggest that back in 96, there was probably 90-odd percent were from um, from Dunedin. So it's a bit of a bit of a, a about circle, a bit of a 360, really. We haven't, uh, well, you know, it's a totally different, totally different dynamic. Guys coming in, as I say, I see Sealy Piutau from County's coming into Dunedin, living. Um, so it's taking players out of their comfort zone, 
And on top of that, the management are also from um, outside of Dunedin. So big challenge there. Uh, but the team so far are bonding really well. So is it just making their life uh, away from rugby sort of as easy as possible and just hard work when it comes to training to overcome that? Yeah, I think a lot of that is understanding what they're in for and we've give, we're giving them that understanding. Um, a bit of that is going backwards to go forwards, a bit of an understanding in terms of the Highlanders to date. There's a new Highlanders team, there's a new management team. So we can't be measured on, on past performance, but that's that's our lot, you know, like... Um, not talking a lot about what went on beforehand, um, but there are a few things that we need to, to bring to a head so we can get get some positive stuff going forward. Is that sort of a, a culture, you know, breed of culture there? I think every every rugby team, uh, every successful rugby team has a team culture. Um, and the ones that are less successful tend to have a bad team culture. I mean, at the end of the day, it's just a way that you operate. It's a way that you respect each other's time, um, respect each other's abilities. Get on and play some rugby. You know, I try to keep things fairly simple. Um, but, yeah, like we've only been together a couple of days, so I'm hoping and guessing by the end of the pre-season, which will be around um, end of January, you know, February, the guys will, will know the deal and, and be in a position both physically and mentally to go and play some good rugby. Now, of course, uh, a lot of talk about signing Colin Slade in a pivotal position, but when you look at your squad, you've got a pretty decent, what would be a starting 15, really. Do you agree? Yeah, no, I think, you know, I mean, we've got a rugby team, we've got some experienced players, we've had a lot of babies as well, so um, very mindful that with franchise contracting that we had to be, um, we had to, I guess, in some ways, with, with regards to experience, take a hit. Make sure that we've got some some guys ready for the following years. Players tend to um, move on quite quickly now in New Zealand rugby, so uh, the uh, the the ability to contract players isn't easy. And there's not a lot of players that are going around uh, putting their hands up coming down south, and I, and I think that's a reflection of past results. So I'm well aware of all of that. Um, yep, we got a, we, we don't have a bad 15, but you know you play 16 games of rugby over six months, you need more than 15 players. So it's clearly going to be a challenge for the side. Yeah, having to give them all game time because you've got to expect them all to play, really, I suppose. Oh, I wouldn't say having to give them game time. They they, they are going to get game time. It's the reality of the competition. You know, you can't expect uh, uh, Jimmy Cowan to play 16 games of rugby in a row or, or, or Jamie McIntosh. Um, so, you know, the, the teams have done well at Super 14 level. And if I can use the Crusaders as an example, they've tended to use the whole squad. Um, admittedly, they've got a they've got a pretty good um, they've got a pretty good second tier player there. Uh, so that's that's something that's going to be a challenge for the team for sure. You enjoying it? Yep, yeah, I am. It's uh, we've had some good good weather. We've been down to Stewart Island. Never been there in the eight years I lived in Dunedin. Caught a bit of blue cod. That's always a bonus. So uh, looking 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 forward to you know just getting getting to play some rugby really uh, beer. And uh, you've got one more season at Carisbrook, so uh, a return for you to there. Yeah, I mean that's you know you, as a rugby person, uh, player, coacher, or a person who's affiliated to a team, you forget about all of those sorts of things until it actually happens. Um, Carisbrook, yeah, obviously is a pretty close spot for me, um, having played all my rugby down here in Fritago and that. Um, no, this is a different challenge. The Highlanders is um, you know we, we were quite a successful team in that era. Um, wouldn't it be nice to, to get close? And do the locals see you as 
sort of a, a man to do that? They've, they've enjoyed your arrival down there and got some expectations? Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, I've certainly been welcomed um, when, I, when I'm when i walking around town or whatever. Um, and I'm not sure about expectations either, Barry. I think, uh, I think the team has been um, operating poorly uh, for such a long time that um, I think that expectation has changed to a bit of hope, uh, which is a sad, really, uh, because of, um, I mean, last year, 12th, year before 11th, year before that 11th, year before that 9th, and so forth. So um, I think the year of expectation has gone a bit because of those results. So in the public year of just wanting to follow something that's really positive, and that's my job. This is Extra Time, a web-only sports programme from Radio New Zealand Sport. The world's second biggest sports event for athletes with a disability have been taking place in Christchurch all week with the Paralympic Athletics World Championships showcasing a host of top international athletes competing for the title of world's best. The event is being held outside of Europe for the very first time and includes an array of international and local stars. Jessica Horn spoke to one of New Zealand's top chances at the championships, F-34 shot putter and javelin thrower Jessica Hamill, who says the event lived up to her wildest expectations. Oh, it's great. It's just amazing to see like the whole crowd from the whole world. It's kind of weird seeing all the international athletes here. So it's so awesome to be in a home crowd. How awesome is it for you to have all of this right here on your doorstep? It's great. It can't get any better. It's the perfect conditions. How important is this competition in terms of leading up to other bigger competitions? Oh, it's very important for me and like um, the lead up to London 2012. So this is one of the biggest events for some of the athletes here. So really top competition here. So yeah. Could you just tell me about the kind of support you get here in New Zealand as well in terms of you know supporting you in your sport? Um, we have a great academy of sport in um, High Church in Dunedin and they help with support services like massage, nutrition, care support and stuff like that. It's really good. The support is really amazing. Do you get much funding and if so, where does that come from? Um, I do get some funding um, from my last performance. You have to perform up to a certain standard. Yeah, it's everything. 
Trentham Racecourse plays host to the biggest day on the Wellington horse racing calendar this weekend with Saturday's Wellington Cup, the highlight of a busy week in the capital. While many punters' eyes will be on the fashion in the crowd as much as the racing, for some it's the chance to prove their knowledge of horse racing and place a bet on who they think will win. Show causes one horse at the top of his game this campaign with two major cup wins already this summer and has rated a big chance to catch the other favourites off guard on Saturday. I spoke to his trainer Frank Ritchie who says Show Cause is ready to run at the Wellington Cup. Been very happy with his work, Joe. He's, um, he's, uh, I think he's probably improved a little since that, that last run. Um, yes, I'm happy with that. And he hasn't started since his win at Ellerslie on New Year's Day. Was that always the plan, heading towards Trentham? Uh, yes, it was. Actually, to be perfectly fair, I wasn't going to run at Trentham. I was, uh, he's going to run in the Auckland Cup in a couple of months. And, uh, and uh, if he was to win the Wellington Cup, he probably would get uh, more of a handicap than I would have preferred. But, uh, but it's just, he just needs the racing to stay fit for, um, for the campaign coming up. And uh, so Wellington fitted in very nicely. And besides which, it would be very nice to win a Wellington Cup anyway if we could do so. It's a milestone you haven't achieved before. That's right. Um, I've, I've had a couple of runners. Um, I got beaten half a head with a horse a few years ago. But no, I haven't won a Cup yet. Not a Wellington Cup. And how do you feel your chances are heading into the weekend? I think they're good. My only concern, I'm very happy with the horse. He's, he's here and he's, uh, we've been on the beach with him this morning. And he's, he's, in, uh, he's in excellent order. But he is a dry track horse. Um, he'll cop a little bit of rain, but um, not a lot. And so if the track gets it's bad and the rain comes as predicted on Saturday, uh, that will do us no uh, good at all. Yes, the forecast is relatively unfortunate considering Saturday looks like the only day that potentially rain might come. That's right. That's right. How happy are you with his handicap of only 53.5 kilos, given the form he's in? Well, he's, he started off, of course, when he won the New Zealand Cup, he was a two-win horse, and so that's why he was on the minimum. And um, consequently, uh, he still only won four races, uh, two of those being being uh, group races. So, um, you know, that's that's put him up a bit. But I, I think probably because he was, as I say, a very lightly rated horse before he won the first of the two races, he's he's been able to get in fairly well. Um, and so uh, that, there's, a, there's a plus to that. Do you feel Showcores might be disadvantaged at all coming from barrier draw 15? No, I don't mind the draw. Um, with, the, with the ballots, we'll assume that the ballots don't get in. Um, then he, he will come in a little bit to 11. He's, he's better actually if he's in the middle as opposed to the, uh, to the inside because he's not the quickest beginner and he can get locked up back on the inside. Um, it's happened to him on occasions. And so I prefer him to be uh, out, out with a bit of space. Uh, the ideal thing would be maybe one or two back and one out. Um, and, and that draw allows him an opportunity to, to do that, um, but hopefully he won't be stuck three wide. Either that can happen as well. If he does get stuck on the inside or, or three wide like you've just mentioned, does that change the tactics at all for you? Well, that's up to the rider then. You know, if, if, uh, if circumstances uh, dictate that he's not in, a, in an, a position that's most suitable to him, then the rider has to work out how to, how to get out of that and at which point in the race. There's no instructions you can ever give a jockey to tell him when to do that because... Uh, speed changes in a race and, and uh, horses move uh, at various points in time and the rider has to make that decision. So obviously then a little bit riding on the, on the shoulders of the jockey as well. Sure, that's right. There's obviously some rain forecast for the next two days and like you said on Saturday, and you, you've said he's prefer a, a dry track. How much of a disadvantage would it be if the rain came down? Oh, a distinct disadvantage, I would think. Um, he'd, uh, he's, he's, he's never shown um, a, a liking for it at all. Um, but but he's, but he's stronger and, and more mature now. I don't think he'd be as bad as he was, but I definitely think he um, he would be greatly disadvantaged on a heavy track anyway and won't like 
greatly like a, a, a slow track. So at worst, I would like it to stay dead if possible. And how would you describe the quality of the field this weekend? Uh, much better than it looked like it would be at one point in time. Some of, some of the better horses have withdrawn, such as Red Ruler. But, um, but then a couple have come into. Veloce Bella, who's in great form, has come into the race. Uh, there's a couple of dangerous lightweights. It's a very promising mare in, um, in Innocent Lady. So, uh, you know, I, I don't, it's not, uh, certainly not, I don't think, a week. Uh, well, in cup I've seen uh, worse. But, um, and there's, there's some, definitely some nice horses out there. Mr. Tipsy, good enough to run second in the Auckland Cup. Yeah, there's enough quality in the field. And is there a natural or a heavy favourite for the race? Um, Mr. Tipsy is favourite, and deservedly so. As I say, he ran second in the Auckland Cup uh, last year, I think it was, and um, and he won the Martin Cup very well last start, and he's he's a very good horse. And he also, as a mondeur, will actually prefer, well, won't necessarily prefer, but will handle a wet track very well, which will only make him a, a greater favourite, I would think. Certainly, indications would suggest that that would make him, yes, like you say, an even stronger favourite. In terms of your racing, how's your summer been? Uh, uh, pretty good. Um, we've had a we've had a good run recently. Um, uh, Obsession has, has picked up a couple of nice. Uh, Picked up a nice group win and, and ran third in the Captain Cook Stakes here, and uh, and she's racing well. So uh, and even some of the lesser lights in the team have been able to uh, to get up. So uh, so far the season's been been good to us, um, and we'll cling to that because things can change quickly. Is there a personal favourite race that you have around New Zealand? Um, well, I'd, I'd love to win an Auckland Cup. I'm, I was born and, and raised in, in Ellerslie and uh, trained there for many many years, um, the first half of my working life, and. Um, I have a, a, you know, there's a certain uh, emotional tie, shall we say, to Auckland. So I'd love to win an Auckland Cup, uh, something I haven't been able to do. Um, uh, I guess that's a race probably that's uh, that's not on my CV that I would like. Have you come close before? No, no, not in an Auckland Cup. It's something to tick off as well before the day is done. Absolutely. That's the show for this week. Feedback is welcome via sport at radionz.co.nz. You can get the latest sports news anytime on our website, while we'll be back with the next web-only Extra Time show next week. I'm Joe Porter. Bye for now. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. 